Amen. Well, the sermon tonight is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 26. And the title is Two Vital Questions. Two Vital Questions. I'll read the text, Matthew 16 and verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Let me just read that verse one more time. The word of God says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Here Jesus asks two questions and the title is Two Vital Questions. And we have to acknowledge, don't we, questions are part of everyday life. Journalists ask questions. Teachers ask questions. Too many questions at times, I'm sure. And uh, I remember being at school and questions would come and you had no idea. You were trying to hide behind the person in the desk in front of you. But journalists, they ask questions. Exam papers. Remember those days, Johannes? They ask questions which need to be answered. But the greatest teacher in the history of humanity is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he asked questions, why? To teach his disciples. Because when he asks a question, what does it do? It makes you think. And we've got two questions before us tonight. In fact, in Mark's Gospel alone, that's the shortest of all the Gospels, only 16 chapters... If you don't know all the chapters of the books of the Bible, that can be a, an exercise for you in the next month. 16 chapters in Mark's Gospel. And in those 16 chapters, our Lord asks no less than 60 questions. Isn't that amazing? 60 questions in that shortest of Gospels. Now, probably the world's most successful footballer today is someone called Cristiano Ronaldo, who was originally from Portugal. Um, and um, he's coming towards the end of his career, but he, he's clear, clearly broken all the records that have ever been, pretty much so, of any other footballer, and may go down as the greatest footballer so far. don't really care about that. I'm not really bothered about that. But the fact is, I did a bit of research, and he has probably about as many luxury cars as a human being could have. He has at least 20 luxury cars. And, and the article re I read said, he even has more luxury cars, cars than one of his greatest rivals, Lionel Messi. But if we think tonight, at the end of the day, if you weigh all those, all those luxury cars he's got, I don't know Cristiano Ronaldo, but if he dies in his sins, you cannot take any one of those luxury cars with you. And our text before us is, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? And so these two vital questions, they make us think about eternity tonight, don't they? They make us think that there's more to things in this world, uh, there's more to life than things in this world. The question is, 
where are we going to live eternally? And there are only two possibilities, eternally. And the fact is, despite the common view of many, many people, everybody lives forever. Every single person will live eternally. How long is eternity? Every child can tell you, it's a long time, Dad. And it is. And Thomas Watson said, we should study the shortness of life and the length of eternity. We should study the shortness of life and the length of eternity. And there are only two possibilities where people will spend the, the whole of eternity. It will either be in heaven with the triune God for those whose sins have been forgiven through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Or the other place is a place of everlasting, eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. Where people who die in their sins spend eternity and will be under the wrath of God. So if you say tonight, I'm saved, you can be thankful for one thing alone, to be saved from a punishment that you and I deserve. Nothing in our hands can save us tonight. As we'll see from this text in a moment, these questions are searching for us. And I, my desire is that all of us listening tonight will be sharpened and as true Christians will be strengthened to live uh, Christian lives with intention, with purpose, and with joyful resolve. There's nothing wrong with being joyful. Would you agree? There's nothing wrong. There's nothing sinful about being a joyful Christian. We sang tonight, uh, Oh, happy day. You may think, was that in the hymn book? Yes, it is in the hymn book. And it's a happy song. And, uh, and so we've got two questions before us tonight. Question one is, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And so we've only got two headings, question one and question two. And so let's look at this first question which Jesus asks. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? The context, context that Johannes has told us is that what we've got here is that Jesus has asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? There's a question for you tonight. Well, who do you say Jesus is? And Peter spoke by the inspiration of the Heavenly Father and he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then immediately afterwards, Jesus begins to tell them, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to be crucified. I'll be beaten and flogged, and, and after I've been crucified and I've died, I'll be raised from the dead on the third day. And how does Peter respond? Does he say, amen, and start singing, oh, happy day? The very opposite. One minute, he's being used by God, and the next minute... He actually start, he takes Jesus to one side and rebukes him and says, no, 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 that won't be the case. He's filled with worldly thinking. And Jesus has to rebuke him and says to him what? Get behind me, Satan. So he's being used by Satan. And then Jesus goes on and then he begins to teach these lessons for us with this first question here because Peter was not thinking God's thoughts. He was thinking of 
uh, men's thoughts and got rebuked for it. Because the cross is foolishness, isn't it? Foolishness. Imagine sending, you know, the king sending his own son. And he doesn't arrive in this world in a Rolls Royce or in a white donkey. He's got very humble circumstances. As he was raised in a bit of a nothing town called Nazareth. So people said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And to think that God would send the eternal Son of God to become flesh, to be raised in Nazareth. And in the time of the Romans, they made popular crucifixion, and it was God's plan for his own son to die on a cross, to take uh, the sins of the church and purchase them with his own blood. And then, after he was raised from the dead, they had to go all into the world and tell people, God has sent his son, and they say, oh, wow, where, where? Nazareth. Well, where's Nazareth? And Google Maps had not been invented. Uh, but no one really was interested in Nazareth. Oh, and by the way, he died at the age of 33. He was crucified on a Roman cross. And there's only one reason to explain the power and the fruit of the gospel. It's by Almighty God. And Jesus asked this question now. After he told his disciples, if you want to follow Jesus, and you're here tonight, and I trust you're here because you want to follow Jesus. But Jesus gives us conditions to follow him. The first thing he says, you've got to come after Jesus. Are you pressing after Jesus? Secondly, the Lord Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself. Deny yourself? Yes, it means you've got to Put away sin and sinful desires. That, that's not what it's primarily about, following Jesus. You've got to deny yourself. And then Jesus says, you've got to take up your own cross. So God will begin to work in the lives of people to put to death us so the life of Christ can come through. And that's what it means to follow Jesus, to come after him to deny yourself, to take up your own cross. And Luke tells us we're to do it daily. Now, here's a long word for us, and it's called hyperbole. Hyperbole, what does that mean? It's when you, you kind of exaggerate something so it gets our attention. And Jesus uses this here when he says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? So children... I want you to imagine in your minds tonight, and for all of us as well, a pair of weighing scales in our mind. And we're going to think about one thing on the weighing scales versus you. I want you to think of yourself on one of the weighing scales. And I'm going to tell you what's on the other weighing scale. This is not for just the children, it's for all of us. So think about these weighing scales. But Jesus says, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? And so... Hopefully that's in our mind right now, uh, that kind of picture. But what's on the other side of the scales? Well, it's everything in this world. Just think about that. All of Ronaldo's cars, for a start, luxury cars, they're on the weighing scales. But that's nothing compared to this whole world. Jesus says, what will it profit you? Um, so the whole, everything in the world and the whole world does not compare with the value of your soul. We'll come back to that in a moment. 
So what's, you're, you're on the weighing scales on one side, and on the other side is all Ronaldo's luxury cars, all the copper resources in this whole world. I mean, the Chinese, they go to places like Zambia and they say, look, we want to buy half the country because they just want the copper. But not just the copper, all the resources of gold and silver, all the diamonds in this world, they're all on that, that weighing scale in your mind right now. You've got Ronaldo's car, gold, diamonds, silver, platinum, all these expensive resources. And on top of that, what else can we put in the weighing scales? I'm not even talking about the mountains yet. All the cattle in this world. You imagine if you're a cattle farmer and your cattle farm is bigger than the size of Yorkshire. Can you imagine that? If you owned all the cattle in Yorkshire. Well, in the weighing scales on one side, there's you on one side, and there's all the cattle in this world. All the sheep. How many sheep are there? Millions. All the chickens. How many are there? Millions. And, and all, they're all on one side. Or every skiing resort, every, every Turkish holiday resort, they're all on one side. And you're weighing them, and with a scale, what happens? All of a sudden, you're on one side, boom, and you weigh more than everything in this world. That's what Jesus says. What will it profit you if a man, it says in the word of God, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So the value of your life is worth more than that. Why is that? You say, no, come on, this is ridiculous. I'm worth more than all the, all the diamonds in this world? Yes, because Almighty God created all of those. He owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, purposeless atheism would deny all this. You see, because... Well, let me just come back to that in a moment. Here's the weighing scales. You're, you're here. You weigh more in terms of value than everything else. Why? Because God has breathed the breath of life into every human soul. Now, we were on holiday in the last couple of months, and, and a, we had a lovely conversation, or I did, with a, a couple of people who were on this boat with us, and um, it was just a ferry crossing, actually. It was only a couple of hours. But uh, they said to me, they were, they, I told them what, well, they asked me what I did. And I said, well, why don't you guess what I do? And they, they said, come on, I can't guess what you do. There's thousands of vo vo vaca uh, vocations. Uh, I said, well, I'm actually a Christian minister. And then they told me that uh, the wife studied at Oxford University under Richard Dawkins. And, uh, and they were very pleased to tell me they were atheists. And they said, life, in their view, has no purpose whatsoever. I said, well, I don't believe that. And we were about to travel across to a, an island, and uh, I told them how old the island was. It was full of volcanic rocks, and I don't think I could have said anything that would have been more shocking to them. They were really excited for me to tell them how old the island was, and I said, it's about 6,000 years old. Well, they, they said, that can't be true. I said, it absolutely is. But everything in this world, when we, you know, no wonder the devil manufactures lies to keep people away from the gospel. And atheism and purposeless atheism, they said to me, they don't believe that we are any different to horses. 
That's not the teaching of Jesus. He says, everything in this world is not worth anything more than what one human soul is worth. And that's the teaching of Jesus Christ. What else? So things like evolution to get people wound up and they get all excited about it. But it's just a satanic lie that teaches the very opposite of what Jesus says. If you've evolved from a jellyfish, how can you be evolved from a jellyfish, which is not true, how could you be worth more than everything in this world? It's because it, the jellyfish idea is not true. We are created by God Almighty and he has breathed the breath of life into us. And that breath of life is worth more than everything in this world. He's breathed life into your personality, which is why you are and how you act and so forth. And all people live eternally. Now, if you meet people in Britain, they say, oh, I believe in God just like you do. But then when you get to press it a bit further, you realize they don't believe in God at all. You say, well, you're a bit of a fanatic, aren't you? What do you mean Jesus is the only way to heaven? I don't quite believe that. And before you know it, you realize what they really believe is not the Christian message at all. So Jesus says, what will it profit if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? And so here we are faced with the challenge of the gospel as well. Not only the call of the gospel, but we're challenged as Christians to realize that everything in this world is passing away. Everything is passing away. Everything we see around us is passing away. And therefore we want to live our lives in righteousness and godliness with a zeal for the kingdom of God. Which doesn't mean that we have to spend our whole lives doing evangelism. That's not what the application is. But we're to live our lives of what the first question of the Shorter Catechism says. Remember that one, children? What is the chief end of man? Remember that one? Remember, it's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the goal of our lives as Christians. But the second heading is, there's a second question. What shall a man give, Jesus says, in, in return for his soul? If now you look at the scales, that you're on the scales and you're worth more than everything in this world... Jesus then says, what are you going to give in return for your soul? There's nothing now in this world, anything at all, all the sheep, all the diamonds, that you could give to God to purchase eternal life. You're worth more than all of that. And another word for that question, what shall a man give in return, is the word exchange. What are you going to exchange for your soul? That's a question, isn't it? What would someone exchange for their soul? And that's the key word for us. Now listen to this. The law of God tells us in Exodus 21, verses 23 to 25. Here's a gospel gem in the book of Exodus. What does it say and what does it teach us? Well, let me read that to us. It says here, But if there is harm, then you will pay Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe.
tribe. And that verse tells us something important. That if a human soul is going to be purchased with the gift of eternal life, it's not going to come through anything in this world. It can only come through the purchase of something more valuable than what you are worth, which is more than anything in this world. And there has to be an exchange. And the exchange is not only for one soul, but for every human being that would come into the church, they are purchased through the life and death of one perfect man. And who is that? It's Jesus Christ our Lord. One who is worth more than any human being in the whole planet. You know, I've never been to this place in India. I think it's in New Delhi. But they have in New Delhi, they have way over one billion people live in India. Can you even imagine a billion people? It's just unthinkable. And in New Delhi, they have a counter that's constantly going like this the whole time and showing people how the population in India is increasing. I don't know how exactly they work it out, but, you know, there are people dying and being born in India every day, but it keeps on increasing the whole time. And so we think about the value of all those different people in the eyes of God. And if they're going to be purchased, they've got to be purchased. And as we come to a close, the negative thing is, is that there's nothing that any human being can do to purchase themselves. All good works they do will not be enough. Can't get OBEs and present those to God. We don't get a chance to take certificates with us to heaven and say... I've got these certificates here. There's no financial giving that we can do that will purchase our souls. It's important for us to give as good stewards to the Lord, but that's not purchasing salvation. The Roman Catholics still teach to this day that you can give money to the Roman Catholic Church to get your soul out of purgatory. The only problem is, is that purgatory doesn't even exist doesn't even exist it's not even in the bible and furthermore they teach you can give this money to the roman catholic church and purchase other people out of purgatory it's a complete satanic lie um no bible reading or prayer or education you can't take your certificates and say look uh, i've got you know this uh, master's degree and i've got this qualification no nothing you can do and including martyrdom there have been many Christians who've died because of the gospel, but that will never purchase your soul. None of that will exchange a purchase for you. It can only be done through Jesus Christ. And listen to this hymn. Done is the work that saves, once and forever done. Finish the righteousness that clothes the unrighteous one. The love that blesses us below is flowing freely to us now listen to this hymn not what these hands have done can save this guilty soul not what this toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole listen to this not what i feel or do can give me peace with god not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful load how are we going to be saved then? Here's the answer. Thy work alone, O Christ, 
can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. The exchange is through the offering of Jesus Christ. And whoever believes in him, their soul can be purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not a sin to say amen in the church. It really isn't. You know, someone said to me this morning, they, they said it was from an African background. They said, oh, I felt like dancing this morning. And they felt, well, well these, these are British people. We, we can't do that. But um, there's nothing wrong with letting the gospel thrill your soul that we've been purchased through the blood of Jesus. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we've been purchased and then we've been given the righteousness of God and given an inheritance, an inheritance that can never be defiled, the new heavens and the new earth. And if you're saved, you're going to spend eternity with God, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And your favorite preacher, it could be Billy Graham, it could be uh, Scott Oliphant, I don't know, whatever your favorite preacher is. If they're saved, they're going to be there. And saints who we've never even heard of, and people have been martyred like Irenaeus of Leons, and the Apostle Paul, and, and maybe your grandma who's gone to be with the Lord. What a wonderful gift this is. And as we close, Jesus says the gospel is so simple. It's not complicated. And he just reminds them in the Old Testament, he te teaches them there that the people of God rebelled against the Lord. And what the Lord did, he sent fiery serpents among them. And then the answer for healing was this. Moses was to lift up a bronze serpent. And then the word of God says this. He says, and the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take the serpents away from us. But what was the answer? Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if the serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. The gospel is so simple tonight. The problem is not on God's side, it's the stupidity of fallen men, the darkness of fallen men. Listen to this, children. All you've got to do is look to Jesus on the cross and say, Heavenly Father, I believe he purchased me on that tree. And whoever looks shall live. That's how simple it is. And you've nothing you can do. And then God gives you this gift of eternal life. As we close tonight, there was a man called Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And as a young man, as a teenager, he had a real thirst for God but he, he just couldn't seem to lay hold of salvation his granddaughter was a preacher and as an unusual man as a teenager he would read big thick books Puritan books and 
he was reading this and reading that, but he, he didn't seem to be able to find his way to get saved. And there was an unusual providence of God. He, he normally went to, a, I think, a Reformed Baptist church or uh, in, in those days, in Essex or wherever it was, but it was a winter's day as a teenager, and he couldn't get to his ordinary church where he went to. And in the heavy snow, he went to the nearest church to him, which was something, I think it was a primitive Methodist church. And because of the snow, the people couldn't really get to church, and the regular preacher couldn't get there. And so they had to have a substitute man who really couldn't preach normally very well. But he took a text from Isaiah, look unto me and live. And so the way he filled the time of the church service... He kept on repeating this text from different angles. Look unto me and live. And there was this young man, Charles Spurgeon, who came into that congregation that day, and this, that wintry day, and he'd been doing everything he could to save himself, reading these big Puritan books and reading this and reading the other. And there the simplicity of the gospel came. Look unto me and live. And he was converted. And he went away a saved man. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Look unto me and live. And when there's revivals, you can sometimes get wonderful hymns. And in 1904 to 1906 in the Welsh revival, they sang this hymn a lot. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. Who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise. He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice kill, kissed a guilty world in love. What do you do tonight, children? You say to dad in the car, dad, I want us to pray together. I want to pray for the Lord Jesus to forgive me of my sins and wash me in the blood of Jesus. I don't want to put it off another day, dad. I want us to pray tonight and ask for God to forgive me of my sin and simply look to him and live. Here's a lady on the front row, my dear wife Maria. She was converted when she was 10 years of age. And here she is all those years later, sat on the front row at church. She's been committed to the church her whole life.